We last week I started a series on finding Jesus at Christmas. Finding Jesus at Christmas, and of course that's the overall theme. And I'll talk a little bit about that on uh, December 20. That'll be kind of what I use to wrap up the series. But today we're looking at a variation of that, which is finding joy at Christmas. And I'm going to turn your attention to Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read a fairly lengthy portion, not the entirety of the Christmas story as told by Luke, but a piece of this. Luke chapter 2, verse number 8 says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, or cloths lying in a manger, and suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Now, I'm getting ready to preach, as I mentioned, about finding joy at Christmas. And if you're not familiar with this, for the last couple of months, uh, in the Cross Church app, if you have that, you can follow along with the notes that I have. And, of course, what I have in the app is just a, a sketch, really, of what I am preaching from. But you can take your own notes in the app if you would like to do that. You can find that a couple of ways. Once you get in the app, you can click on the more button and go to notes and you should be the today's message will be the top note there. Or you can also click on the first tab that comes up, which says uh, message or today's message. And you can get to the notes from that as well. Christmas time is perhaps the only time of year that you see the word joy in marketing or in public places. Right now, everywhere you go, there's joy and there's, there's the words, you know, J-O-Y. They're, they're done in various ways. And in fact, today, we're actually going to put up the word joy in the foyer. Uh, it's going to look cool, is what I'm told. And so we're going to have that up there. But this is the time of year that we talk about joy. You, don't, you very seldom hear people go talk about being joyful or having joy. They talk about being happy. They talk about being glad. But joy is just not a term that is often used. And, of course, at Christmas time, we also sing about joy. In fact, the most common song that we sing is, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. You're ready to sing that right now, aren't you? 
But the reality is, and I'll just throw this, this is just for free. Just, this, in fact, it's just a mess with you. But when that song was penned, it wasn't actually about Christmas. We sing it at Christmas, and we, we make a lot of uh, analogies and take the words of that song, and we go, man, this is, yeah, the, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. And, and we, we talk about all that, but when the, they actually wrote the song, what they were really referring to was the second coming of Jesus Christ. That, that he, when he comes, there's going to be joy on earth and every nation is going to come to him. And they, the, the writers were thinking of the future or the eschatology and the, or the end times that's going to come when they wrote that. But I'm okay. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs anyway, just because it's familiar. And I like the message and I like the meaning, but it's, it's, it's really not about Christmas. But Christmas, we sing about joy. We talk about joy. We buy cards that say joy and all kinds of things that go on. But the question is this, what is joy and, and, and how are we to express joy? Well, in, in its simplest terms, joy is happiness. That is true. That it is when you're happy, you're joyful. Or when you're glad, you are joyful. And so to have happiness and gladness is joy. But it is not just a feeling, but joy is also an action. It is both something you feel and it is also something you do. That when you have joy, guess what? You rejoice. You do joyful things when you have joy. And you can have joy. uh, People in this world, they can have joy. But the joy that God gives is frequently not contingent on our circumstances. That our circumstances are not to determine and to drive the joy that we have. In fact, the scripture goes to say this. James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That when you have difficulty, be joyful. When you have problems, be joyful. That's counter to what the world expects. That when you have problems, they were like, What's wrong with you, man? you got all these problems going on. Why are you joyful? But the Scripture tells us that our joy is not contingent on the fact that our circumstances are good and everything is great. But our, our joy is contingent on knowing who Jesus is and what He has done for, for us. In fact, Peter would record it this way. He says, rejoice when you are tested. That not just have a feeling of joy, but actually do an action of joy. And he goes on in verse 8 of chapter 1 and says, The reason that you can rejoice is because you are saved. That even if you have this light affliction, which is but for a moment, you have this problem right now, you can be joy because this problem is only temporary. This difficulty is only temporary, but there is a salvation that is forever that you have already have in Jesus Christ. And he says, it is joy, in King James language, he says, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Or to use New King James or others, it is joy inexpressible. It's joy that's so so great and so wonderful at the fact that I am saved and I'm going to spend an eternity with Jesus Christ, I can't even express it. That no matter how good I, I try to do it and no matter how much I rejoice, I can't even touch the joy that I have knowing that I will spend an eternity with Jesus Christ. Anybody thankful that you're going to have an eternity with Jesus Christ? That you're going to be able to spend an eternity with Him? 
So why do we talk about joy at Christmas? Well, we talk about joy at Christmas because the word joy and rejoicing is used multiple times in the story, the biblical story of Christmas. Of course, you know the context of the passage that Jesus is born nine months after Gabriel visits Mary. After Gabriel comes and says to Mary, you're going to be uh, to give birth to the Messiah, that this child which is in you is of the Holy Spirit. You're going to have this miracle baby. Nine months later is when our story takes place that Jesus is actually born. It's six months after John the baptizer, the one who would come baptizing people in a baptism of repentance. Six months after he is born, the cousin of Jesus, as it were, six months after he is born. And the Bible further narrows this down, and this is just another freebie, just to throw it in here, just for your listening pleasure. But the Bible says that Jesus was born in the time when Quirinius was governor, or governor of Syria. Now, he was actually governor of Syria two different times, but, but there are historical clues that tell us when Jesus was born, and it's when he actually gave his first census. The Roman Empire would frequently give, uh, well, every 14 years or so, they would actually do empire-wide census taking. But different provinces and different regions would do census taking at various times to see what was going on, depending on the governor. And, and Quirinius was governor of Syria, and Syria actually was overseeing Judea that they were the ones in charge of Judea, and later Pontius Pilate would become governor, and you, you see all of that play out in, in Scripture. And the most likely time of Jesus' birth was probably about 4 B.C. It wasn't right at zero. They didn't keep calendars like we do now, and so our calendar now is they did their best to, to look at the information they have and go back and date when exactly was Jesus born. And, and of course, our calendar now, that that birth of Jesus is the dividing line Everything before him is before Christ, and everything after him is Latin phrase for the year of our Lord. And so Jesus, though, was most likely not born in zero. They did their best. They didn't have computers and the Internet. Now you can just Google and find out what Jesus was born. They actually had to do some research, get all the writings out there, see when things were dated and when they could nail it down. So into that setting is when Jesus was born. And, and, and I'll talk more about his actual birth, but today I want to focus on the passage about the shepherds. And in fact, this passage about the shepherds is the lengthiest part of the story. Remember, we can find joy at Christmas, that we need to find joy. And when we find that joy, we should not just have a feeling, but we should actually rejoice. Look at your neighbor and say, we need to rejoice. First thing I want to draw your attention to is this, though, in our story, is that there is joy in the good news. There is joy in the good news. The Bible says it this way, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the field. They were keeping watch over their flocks by night, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Let me just pause, it's not in my notes, but you see that over and over again. When an angel shows up, the first reaction everybody has is fear. 
It's not because angels are bad, it's because they're unusual. And, and you, all of a sudden you see something that wasn't there a moment ago. And I don't know about you, I mean, I like to think I'm spiritual, not, not really that spiritual, but I, I like to think that if an angel showed up, I probably wouldn't be that afraid, but I'm not, I don't know that I'm any better than anybody else, and if an angel really showed up, that'd probably be the first thing, my first reaction would be like, whoa, what's going on, what's going on here? And that was their reaction, is that they were afraid, and the angel said to them, do not be afraid. That's the, that's the, the basic opening line for every angelic visit. Don't be afraid. It's the way it always goes in every story. It says, For behold, though I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There is joy in the good news. The text says, I bring you good tidings. Now, you don't see this in English, but the word, Behind good tidings is the word euangelion. You've probably heard me throw that out in various settings, euangelion. And what the word euangelion means is good news. It's where we get our word gospel. We don't say it's good news, we say it's the gospel. And so the angel says, I am bringing you euangelion. I am bringing you good news. Now, to understand good news, it's, it's not a new term that's just used in the New Testament. It's not a, a new term that's just used uh, by Christians. But the word euangelion was used any time a king was coming to town. That before the king would get there, a herald would go in, in front of the king, and, and before the procession would get there, and they would go into a city proclaiming, the king is coming. They would go out in front and they would say, hey, get ready. Get everybody out on the streets. The king is coming. And when the king was coming, you better be ready. You better be prepared. There better be a lot of cheering going on, even if you didn't like the king. So that's why the herald was there to make sure that there was a crowd, that when the king rode into town, everybody was excited. And the angel says, I bring you, you Evangelion. I bring you good tidings or I bring you good news or now in, in our terms as we use, I bring you the gospel that the king is coming. There is joy. He says, I bring you not only the good news, but I bring you good news of great joy. That when you understand the good news, it should make you joyful. You should be very joyful. Now, I don't know why the shepherds were chosen necessarily. Some would say that shepherds they were typically poor. In fact, many times they were watching other people's sheep. They're not even their sheep, but they're guarding the sheep. But they're, they're considered dirty. They're on the lower end of the occupational list. And so maybe it's because Jesus would later say that the poor have the gospel preached to them. As he takes the words of the prophet Isaiah and he reads them in the synagogue and he says that the poor have the gospel preached to them. That's what, maybe that's why he came and he had the angels come to the shepherds. Maybe it was symbolic that David, who was once a shepherd, became king. And that the shepherd is where it started. And, and David is out as a shepherd and he's, he's worshiping God in various ways. And he's writing psalms long before he's king. And the shepherd boy becomes king. Maybe there's a connection there because the Messiah is going to be 
the son of David. He's going to be of the, the lineage of David. He's going to be of the house of David. But what David was, maybe that's what it is. Or, or maybe more to the point is that God is our shepherd. And that he uses shepherds because we are his sheep. We are the sheep of his pasture. He is our shepherd that he leads us, as the psalm says, beside still waters. And he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Maybe that's why he, he chose shepherds. The Bible doesn't tell us, but he chooses shepherds to be the ones that get this angelic visit. And it's a good tidings, it's good news of great joy. But when they understand the message, the joy of the message that the king is finally here, the joy of the message that the king is finally here takes away the fear. The feeling of fear was replaced with feelings of joy. Have you ever been surprised? Maybe you've had... You, had a uh, surprise birthday party, you didn't know it, you come into a room and it's all dark and everybody jumps out and yells surprise. Anybody ever had that? Maybe you've been on one side or the other of that, maybe you were doing the surprising or anybody? A few? Okay. Just, just imagine what that's like when somebody jumps out and scares you, your first reaction is fear. But immediately when you realize what's going on, your fear turns to joy is like oh it's not bad it's good they're here to celebrate it and and i think maybe that's what it was like for the shepherds as they see the angel and they're afraid and he says but hey i'm bringing you good tidings of great joy that here's the message that i'm bringing that the king has come the king is finally here it's nothing to be afraid of but it's something to be joyful over it's something to bring about rejoicing but it's not just any king It's the Savior specifically has come. But you have to understand that Savior is used in a wide variety of of ways in the Bible. Moses was the Savior of Israel. When he got them out of Egypt, he delivered them out of Egypt. He He was referred to as Savior. But he was just a Savior. He was just a deliverer. He was just a person that God used. But now the Savior and the Deliverer is come. And the angel, to make sure that you didn't miss it, he says this, it is Christ the Lord. It is not just anybody. It's not just any Savior, any King, any Deliverer, but it is Christ the Lord. Now we we see the word Christ all the time, and we think that's just like Jesus' last name. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is the word for Messiah. That he is Jesus the Christ. That he is Jesus the Messiah. And so when the angel says it is Christ the Lord, it's the Messiah that you've been looking for, you've been anticipating, you've been waiting on that Messiah. That's who has finally come. That is who is here And to top it off, he doesn't just say it's the Messiah, but he says it's Christ the Lord. Then he throws in a word of deity here and says not only is he a a human Messiah, he's not just that, but he is the Lord of glory. He is the one that created all things who has now come. And, And I have no doubt that they didn't fully understand that. 
But the angel said it anyway, he is Christ the Lord. He has come. Be joyful. This is a message of great joy. But joy is short-lived if you can't confirm what has been said is true. Have you ever heard people give you some great news that turns out not to be? True. Seen anything on social media? Oh man, look at that. Yeah. Uh, just kidding. That wasn't true. We live in a world full of false information. There's false information everywhere. Most of the time, it's a lot of times it's a negative false information, but at times it's negative good information, something that we're excited about, but it's not really joyful if the news isn't true. If what you're hearing isn't true, it's just another story. But it's one thing to hear a story and and to hear some news. It's another thing to actually believe it and prove that it is true. The text says this, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherd said one to another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And when they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger, they said, we've heard the message. The angel said, I'm going to give you a sign. I don't want to just hear this story. I want to prove to you that this is really true. And the only way you're going to know that what we're saying is true is if you go and see this babe lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling cloths, you'll find this babe. And so they went with haste to where Mary and Joseph were, and they found the babe lying in a manger. Now understand this, it's not just any baby. The angels don't want them to go and just find any baby. Maybe there were 15 babies born in Bethlehem that night. I don't know. But the angel said, in order to prove to you this is what what we're saying is true, you will find a baby. And this baby will be wrapped in swaddling cloths. It will be lying in a manger. And I don't know if you know this, but it was not a typical practice to put a newborn babe in a manger. A lot of times people say Jesus was born in a manger. No, Jesus was born in a stable. He was placed in a manger. And a manger is actually a feed trough for the animals that are in the stable. That's unusual. You don't expect to see that. There's probably not one other baby in all of Judea who's in a manger on that night. He's the only one. So I want you to go and I want you to see that, that what we're saying, the angels, that what the angel is saying is true because you can prove that it is true because you can find this babe lying in a manger. But not only is this it's uncommon and unexpected, but he says this babe will be wrapped in swaddling cloths. Now swaddling cloths was not unusual. It was that was a typical practice. It's that when a baby would come out of the womb, 
you'd clean the baby up and then you would wrap the baby with strips of cloth so the baby would feel like it was still in that cocoon of the womb and, and it, would feel, it would feel okay with its surroundings. That it wasn't a shock that all of a sudden after nine months in this one environment, you come out in this other environment and just like all this freedom and you're like, and it's scary. As, at least that's what they tell us. I don't remember being scared, but I don't remember much from that time. That was common. That was the practice. But here's, here's the important part of this. This is why they say you're going to find this babe wrapped in swaddling cloths. is because the angel said, This day to, is born to you in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Not three days ago, not last week, but this day. We wrap babes, babies in, uh, we make as... as at least that's what they called it at the, the hospital whenever we had Anthony and Anna. You wrap the baby up tight in a blanket, you know, like a little burrito. And you tuck it all in so they're all tied up. They're all snuggled up and they feel that. That's what they're doing with swaddling cloths, but you don't do that when a baby's five months old. I don't really know how long we do that now, but for them... It wasn't a five-month or a five-week or maybe even a five-day process, but it was like when the baby comes out, you clean it up, this is what you do. And the angel said, this day. Now you have to understand that they don't count days like we do. The day starts at 6 o'clock p.m. and goes until 6 p.m. the next day. It's the night and then the day. It's not the day and then the night. That's why the Sabbath, it starts on, even today, Jews do this. The Sabbath starts at 6 p.m. on Friday night. And 6 p.m. on Saturday night, the Sabbath is over. That Jesus had more than likely, it's not days, it's not weeks, but maybe only minutes or hours since he's been born because the angel comes at night to them. They're in, their, in the field at night, and the angel says, This day there is born to you in the city of David a Savior. So you're going to find a baby that's wrapped in swaddling cloths because he's just been born. It's this day. That's why that's important. It's because it's just now happening. We didn't hear about this from some other source and hear, oh, there's, there's probably a baby. Maybe you can find a baby. But no, it's a newborn baby in a manger. You won't find that anywhere else. It will be a sign to you. And when the news is confirmed, it brings about joy. There's joy when you hear it, but there's even more joy when it's confirmed that what you have heard is true. We say this all the time, it's too good to be true. We say it another way, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is but they hear this good news but it's not just too good to be true they go and confirm that it is indeed true and what i would tell you this it's been said when you have when you're having theological conversations this is kind of the the context of what i'm going to say but it says the saying is this that a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument that you can go and see for yourself that there is a babe lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. You can go and see that what we have told you is true. You can confirm it for yourself. 
And nothing could ever take away what they experienced, that an angel came. And when the angel finished talking, there was a whole host of heaven saying, glory to God in the highest. Oh, but just to be sure, you can go and find in Bethlehem a, sa- a, ma- a Savior laying in a manger, a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Our confirmation today is not that we physically see Jesus. I've never physically seen Jesus. I've never even seen an angel. But I can tell you this, that I have experienced him. That I have experienced his presence and his power. I've experienced him being at work in me. I feel him. I hear his voice. Anybody thankful that you can experience Jesus Christ? That it's not just a story that you've heard, but you have experienced him for yourself. We can confirm the news is true because we experience him. I mentioned earlier during the song part of the service that visiting places and people going through the motions, I don't, I don't know if they've ever really experienced him. Standing there and just hope, maybe happy to be there, I don't know. It's not part of my notes. I need to I need to wrap this up, but I, I will tell you I had I worked for the United States Postal Service in Lee Summit back in the early nineties before moving to St. Louis. And I had a an ongoing conversation with another one of the mail carriers, and I I went up to him one day. We, we, had, we had talked about God, we, we had talked about the Bible, and I went, I went up to, to Greg, most of the other carriers were out of the building, it was just that we were the last two left that were putting the mail in, our, in delivery sequence, getting our routes ready, and I went over to him on my break and started talking to him about God and about church, and, and I knew he had already told me that he went to church every Sunday with his wife. And I brought up God again, and he said to me, he says, I'm not even sure that I believe there is a God. I, I was shocked. It's the first time he had said anything like that to me. I, I was amazed at, at his response. I was like, Greg, you go to church every Sunday. You've told me that. How can you say that you're not sure there's a God. And he says, I go to church to make my wife happy. He says, but I'm not sure I have ever experienced God. If you haven't experienced him, how can you know he's true? It's just a story. But when you confirm that he's true because you experience him, because he he moves on you, because you feel his presence and you feel his power and he comes and takes up residence inside, then there is joy that comes with the confirmation of the good news. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Hurrying along here, there is also joy when the news is shared. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them 
in her heart. When they confirmed that the message was true, they were in a big hurry on the way to the manger. They were in a big hurry on the way to find out if this story, that they, this message that they had just heard was true. But when they saw the babe lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling cloths, they knew that it was true. And the Bible says they spread it far and wide. They told everybody that they could about what they had just seen and about what they had witnessed by the, angelic, or the angels visiting them. When you confirm the message, it makes you want to tell people. When you find out there's really good news, it makes you want to share it with people. Joy causes us to want to share it. I'm not, I'm not advocating playing the lottery. But I would venture to say, if you were told that you got the correct Powerball numbers, you would not be going... Eh, okay. No, you would scream, you would holler, you would tell everybody you knew. And then you'd realize that everybody you knew would want a piece of it. And then you might hold back after that. But your initial reaction is going to be to share this good news. When you have joy, you want to share it, you want to talk about it, you don't want to keep it to yourself. In fact, you can't keep it to yourself. It just comes out in your conversation. It comes up, hey, did I tell you what happened? And that's what the shepherds are doing is, hey, did we tell you we had these angels come and they visited us and then we went and we saw this babe lying and then the angels said, it's Christ the Lord, the long-awaited Messiah is here. And that when you and I understand the message that we have, it should be the way that we react as well. Hey, did I tell you that Jesus is really real? Did I tell you that Jesus really saves? Did I, did I tell you that Jesus is coming back? Did I tell you that Jesus can live on the inside of you in the form of the Holy Spirit, that you can be saved? Did I, did I tell you that yet? Oh, I didn't. Well, let me tell you about it. That's what joy does when you have it, is that you want to share it with everybody you know. And maybe if we're not sharing the joy or if we're not sharing the message, maybe we're not too joyful about what it means. But as I said earlier, Peter said this, when you're going through all these tests and all these trials, we can rejoice because we know that we are saved. We know that we're going to spend an eternity with Jesus Christ, and it makes us rejoice in the middle of our trials and in the middle of our struggles. Lastly, there is joy that leads to rejoicing then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising god for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them they didn't just tell everybody else but they returned back to their sheep glorifying and praising god now i don't know all the things that they they were doing i don't know how excited they were i don't i don't know exactly what all of that looked like. But I, I can tell you from just the words that are used here in the biblical text that at minimum, they, when they glorified God, they were speaking of God as being unusually fine and deserving of honor. That they were talking 
talking about how good God was and how great God was. And, and maybe they're saying he's been promising us this for, for centuries. Now it's come to pass. Oh, he's a God that does everything well. He's a God who cannot lie. He's a God who tells us the truth. He's a God who fulfills his word. And they were glorifying God with what they were saying. But they decided to take a step further and says they praise God. And the word there is that they put their words to music. They didn't just go, oh, he's a great God. No, they, maybe they sang that. And of course, they sang it in Hebrew. So I, since I don't speak Hebrew that well, I'm not even going to try it. Well, you never know. I may get excited and do something crazy. But they put it to words. You ever been praying and, and you just, you just want to sing? But, but you, you, don't, you don't have a song that you've heard that you want to sing. You just kind of make up your own song. Anybody ever done that? A few of us. I do that periodically when I've got something I want to say. I just put it to a melody, and, and, I, and I'm singing. And that's what they're do, they, they were doing is that they were putting their words of praise and adoration and saying how marvelous and how awesome and how wonderful God was. They were putting it to music. They weren't playing instruments, but they were singing their songs to the Lord. That they glorified and they praised God. Because they had seen the Savior. We have joy now. Because we will have joy in the future. Paul said, if we have hope in this life only, and I'm going to preach about hope next week, but if we have hope in this life only, we're of all men most miserable. It's not always the best thing being criticized. or, or There's a lot of other things we could be doing on a Sunday morning. But we do it now. We come into his presence now because he has saved us and we're going to spend an eternity with him. And the joy that's coming later can't even compare with the little bit of trouble that we have down here. That's what the scripture says. The baby in a manger did not deliver them that day. They're not delivered. They're still in, they're still in Roman oppression. They're still under the rule of the Roman Empire. It wasn't until some 33 years later that the resurrected Messiah would be able to deliver them. And maybe they're not even alive, but they're rejoicing now because he has come. Because he has come and he is here. And we are not in heaven yet, but we rejoice now because one day we will be. That no matter how difficult it gets, no matter how much trouble we have, no matter how much sickness we have, we can rejoice now because we are going to spend an eternity with Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? God is good. As the musicians come, the Bible says of Jesus that he endured the cross, despising the shame. That Jesus, some 33 years Later, after this night, he would go to the cross. We know in his humanity, he didn't want to go to the cross. He prays in the garden. He says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to drink that cup of suffering, that fifth cup of the Seder meal of the Passover celebration. I don't want to drink that cup of suffering. 
I don't want to do that. But he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he submits to the will and the plan that he would come and he would live a perfect, holy, sinless life and then he would be crucified for your sin and for mine. Not his sin, but for your sin, for my sin. For the sin of the shepherds, for the sin of Mary, for the sin of Joseph, the sin of the whole world. When those angels were singing like that, like that night, I don't think it sounded like a train, but but here is what he said, Jesus. He endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. I'll go through this difficult stuff. I'll go through this. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to be tortured on the cross. I don't want to be beaten. I will endure the cross, despising the shame of hanging on a cross naked in front of all, for all to see it, despising the shame of being killed like a common criminal. I'll endure all of that for the joy that is coming. That joy it's not just that he will be king of kings and lord of lords but that joy is that you and I will call him savior and lord this day is born to you in the city of David a savior who is Christ the lord and that when we come to him his joy is complete that when we come into a relationship with him and we make him lord of our life his joy is I want to rejoice over what he has done for me. But I also want him to rejoice because I have come to him. Would you stand together today? Would you just lift your hands right now in this in this holy moment? Would you thank Jesus for what he has done would you thank him for who he is would you thank him that he is Lord and Savior would you thank him that he has come but not only did he come but he he lived that holy and sinless life and went to the cross and paid for your sin and for mine Jesus we love you we're so grateful Lord that you did what we could not do that you endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was set before you. And Lord, I pray that your joy would be more complete and more full because I have come into relationship with you, because I have answered your call of salvation. I have responded to you, that I have called you Lord, that I have called you Savior. It's why you came. You didn't come so we would have a good story to tell at this time of the year, but you came so that people would be saved, that people would be able to come in relationship with you and spend an eternity with you. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. 
we glorify you. Would you do that right now in whatever words you want to use? Would you just thank the Lord for his goodness? Thank you for his salvation. Jesus, we magnify your name. We magnify your name.